July 11th. We're going back to full-on two services, full capacity. We've got kids in both services building up our teams. We are excited about this. I hope you're excited. And um, I know it's been kind of a, it's been a slow burn, a little bit of a roll in the right direction. And we're still going to do everything that we can to be cautious and to be, be careful and clean. And, and we've even got our chairs, you may not notice, but they're separated a little bit more uh, just to help all of this kind of stuff, but what we are excited about is really being able to look ahead to the summer and to this fall uh, with a sense of optimism, believing that God is doing some good things. We're excited about it. So what we need from you is we need you to serve. We've got our kids teams that have been on, you know, kind of running on a little bit of a, um, you know, a, a withheld version of kids ministry and we'd like to build that team back up. If you want to serve there, or hospitality, greeting, making coffee, uh, any of the things, middle school, you name it, we would love to get you involved. And all we need you to do is grab one of those connect cards in front of you, in the seat back in front of you, fill that out, put the ministry that you want to be involved in, and then drop them in the offering containers when you come, uh, when you leave the service today. And that would help us a ton. We are excited about it, and I hope that you are as well. Last thing before we get into the message is I want to honor Pastor Stephen Tina. They are on vacation right now. They're resting, and it's been a wild year, and so we are thankful that they, as they refresh others, that they themselves now are being refreshed in Arizona where it is not raining, and it's not cold, and it is not cloudy. It is only perfect, and so, and then they're going to come back here because why not live in Washington you know, because it's, it's, uh, it rains, and so it's, it's really cool. So uh, can we give it up for our pastors, though? Can we just honor them? And I hope you're thankful for them. And, and uh, I want to turn your attention to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and uh, we're going to read in verse 13. As we wrap up our Babies in Bathwater series, I hope you've been enjoying it. And uh, you can catch up on the podcast or on YouTube, all the good things. Uh, but Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, it says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say I, or who do the people say that the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist and others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you? Said Jesus, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail or overcome it. They will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone He's the Messiah. On this rock, I will build my church. And as we conclude this series, uh, we're actually going to wrap it up next week with Pastor Steve. Uh, and I know we started with this passage, and I wanted to come and wrap it back around and, and touch on a different side of it. On this rock, I will build my church. And if you are taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. You can title this message, A Church being built. A church being built. Would you join me in prayer? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's invite the Holy Spirit in this moment 
uh, to speak to us and to change us from the inside out and to remind us of something that we need to know. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in this room right now. Wherever we're coming from, whatever we've navigated this week, we thank you, God, that you meet us where we're at. We thank you, God, that we are part of something much greater than ourselves. It's not about us. It's not about what we're trying to build, but it's a reminder, God, that you are faithful to build your church and a church that you are building can sustain any attack from the enemy because you are the one building it and not even hell can beat it. And we're thankful, God, that we get to be a part of that. We anchor our souls and our confidence and our life and our trust to that truth right there that you're building your church. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You ever, uh, um, you ever made a mistake? that you got to pin on someone else because they were in charge? Anybody? No one? Not just me. It's cool. It's just me. Uh, back in the day when I was, a, I was a new youth leader, I wasn't the youth pastor yet. I wasn't in charge. I wasn't paid. I wasn't, I wasn't over anything. I just got to do stuff and, then, and, and not get in trouble for it because I wasn't in charge. And we used to do this thing that would eventually be called bro night. And bro night was exactly what it sounds like. It was a night where the bros get together. And we would do this thing called the initiation of the brotherhood. The initiation of the brotherhood. And what this looked like is we would do the dumbest stuff. And the, the dumber it was, the better it was. And we would do these things and they would usually involve some sort of pain or discomfort. And by doing so, it initiated you into what we called the brotherhood. We don't really know what that means because there was no significance. There was no prize and you just hurt more afterwards. So it really was not worth it at all. In fact, Noelle's aunt and uncle are here. And one time I got a call from her because one of the things that we did to Noelle's cousin, Joseph, and, and he, he thought it was funny, and he calls his mom, Mom, guess what they did? And his mom's like, oh, really? That's what they did. And she picks up the phone. She says, okay, Taylor, what, what's going on here? Why did you do this to my son? Now, you might be saying, Taylor, what are you about to tell us? You seem like an irresponsible youth pastor. And I just want to remind you who your lead pastor is and that he was a youth pastor in the 90s, and they did way worse stuff than we did. <laughs> way worse stuff. Way, like way worse. I would never do any of that stuff. And some of you are saying, I would never do any of that stuff. Yeah, right. You would totally do it. So one, this one particular time, we're doing this initiation. And me and my friend John, we had the opportunity to plan a part of this initiation, which included bare feet, blindfolds, and broken glass. And it's a recipe for really great memories. And so, um, so the whole thing is... is is um, we'd have them come down and they'd stand on this platform a little bit shorter than what I'm standing on right now. And we would, we would have this bottle and we'd show it to them and then we'd blindfold them and then we'd break it on the ground inside of a garbage bag, right? So we'd break it. They don't know there's a garbage bag. We just break it inside. They hear the glass break. They have blindfolds. Then we take their shoes off and we say, trust us. Isn't it funny? Like... It, <laughs> Like, it's the trust falls and all that kind of stuff. It was all invented in youth ministry. It's like, hey, we're going to do things that make you not ever want to trust me, and I just want to remind you to trust me. And so we get a few guys to come through, and the whole thing is, is you stand on the platform, you get blindfolded, your feet are barefoot, and there's broken glass several feet ahead of you, out of reach of your feet. And then beneath you are broken Doritos, right? And so the whole point... 
And so we say, hey, trust us, you know, this broken glass, but trust us. And they jump down, they land on the broken Doritos, and they're like, oh my gosh, I just landed on a broken glass. And then we take it off, and it's not broken glass. They're like, oh my gosh, Taylor, I trust you, and I trust Jesus too, because he turns broken glass into Doritos, just like he turns water into wine. And that's the whole thing, right? You know, hey, you can trust us. Like, you can come to us with anything that you need, you know, and, and we'll, we'll look out for you. And so we get a few guys to do this, and it's fun, and they laugh, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Taylor, that was so funny. Like, you are so original. What a great idea. And so we get a few guys to go through, and then we get this one guy, Andrew Van Gilder. And Andrew was a, he was an athlete, and he was competitive, and he was crazy. And so he gets down to the platform, and he's eyeing, he's eyeing what's going on. He's like, all right, I, I, he's already thinking in his mind, I'm going to get around this. So we show him the bottle, we blindfold him, we take his shoes off, his socks off, and he's there barefoot now, blindfolded. He hears us break the glass, and we don't know this, but in his mind he's thinking, I'm going to jump over the glass. So we've pulled the glass about seven or eight feet, perhaps, where this front row is, and he's standing on about where this platform is, and, and he's standing there, and he's thinking, I'm going to jump over the glass that he believes is right beneath him. So there's Doritos there, and we say, hey, man, we're going to count to three, and you're going to trust us, and you're going to jump, and it's not going to hurt. I promise. You're going to just trust us. And so he's like, all right, I trust you guys. I trust you. And so he's blindfolded. He's barefoot. And there's a glass about seven feet in front. And there's Doritos beneath. And we go, one, two, three. And before we can do anything, he steps back. And with all of his force and might, jumps forward, barefoot, blindfolded, feet first, onto shattered glass with the full force of his barefoot body and lands both feet barefoot into the shattered glass and with the force of his feet begins to slide gracefully on the concrete so rigid and he just goes and goes and goes and he hops up he's like that was great and then we look at his feet and they, they're about to fall off because they're so shattered underneath there's blood everywhere and he's like oh my gosh there was really glass there oh there's Doritos there I was supposed to trust you <laughs> We're like, but hey, you can trust God. Just don't ever trust me again. You know what I mean? And, and so I'm like, John, go up, get Pastor Andrew. We got to figure this out. We're going to have to call his mom. Mind you, the, all of the greatest memories, they happen at 2 a.m. So obviously we waited till after midnight to start the initiations, and it's about 2 a.m. And so we've got to call his mom. Pastor Andrew comes down, and his mom's on his way, and she's not happy already. You can tell on the phone. Who would be at 2 in the morning hearing that their son might never walk again? And so, so she's on her way, and I'm like, Andrew, look, man, I'm so sorry. This is my fault. It's on me. I'll talk to the mom. I'll own it. I'll pay his hospital bill. I'll do whatever. He's like, no, 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 no. Don't worry. This is my event. It's my fault. I'm like, no, 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 for real. Like, I need to own this one. This is on me. I ran this piece. I planned it. I didn't think ahead. It's my fault that he may never walk again. It's on me. And he said, no, nope, no, hey, bro, I'm going to take the fall here. I know that you did this, but I'm going to take the fall because this is my event and I'm the one in charge. So don't worry. This happens to all of us. I'm going to take care of it. I'll talk to the mom. You don't worry about a thing. This is my event. And in that moment, I learned about the power of not being in charge. Like, 
because there's power in being in charge, right? You get to control things and you get to, the, the, the success and failure, it rises and falls on you. So there's power and there's, there's might in that. But there's also a, a, a different kind of power that comes when you're not in charge. Because success does not any longer depend on you, but the person who's running the show. Like, there's power when you realize that you're not the one building this thing. And my, my reminder for us this morning is that it is not me or you building God's church. It is Jesus Christ. He's building his church, and it is a victorious church. It is a church full of really dumb people who make really dumb choices. But it is not on us to build the church. It is not on us to protect it from hell. That is God's job. And he, I'm falling off the stage. It's all good. I wanted to get closer. God is building his church and the gates of hell and the gates of this stage will not prevail against it. Well, some of us, we've been living like we've got to protect God's church or we've been attacking God's church. And what we do is we think, man, I'm in charge. I got to control this thing. I got to make sure that people are held accountable. I got to do all of these things. And all of those things go on with your bad self. But remember who the one in charge is. And it is not you, friends. It is not me. It is Jesus who's building his church. And he says to Peter and to his disciples in this moment, hey, I'm going to build my church on this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's nothing that you can do because you're not the one in charge. And when we're in charge, we overcompensate and we scramble and we freak out. We try and figure it out. I'm raising my hand to identify with this. Because I like control and then all of a sudden, 2020 and 21 and COVID and all of the, the issues and, 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 the, and, and the, the, the racial reconciliation conversation and, and all of the division and all of these things, they start coming at us. And we're like, okay, what do I need to do to fix what I'm seeing, and I understand the feeling, but at the end of the day, and all of my efforts, it is not me building God's church. It is God building his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that Jesus is building. Jesus is building his church, and it is a victorious church. And it is one that Jesus loved so much that he died for it, that you and I would know that the gates of hell cannot prevail against God's purposes. Are you thankful today that you are in and anchored to something that is much greater than you? It is the church of Jesus Christ that has always and will always stand. You might think that the culture is coming against the church, and it is, and some of it is needed, and some of the accountability is needed, and some of the disruptions are needed, but at the end of the day, do not lose sight of the fact that Jesus, through the ages until eternity, is building his church, and not even hell can beat it. Are you thankful for that today? Come on, can anybody just give God a praise that he is building his church in the gates of hell? will not prevail. And that's what we now get to tie ourselves to. Jesus is having this moment with his disciples and 
And he gives them a bit of a trick question, like he would often do. Gives them a trick question. Hey, who do people say that I am? Well, some say, but others say. And they go on and they probably recant. They, 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 they remember the conversations they've had around the campfire and up late at night and all of the conversations they've had. And it reminds me of what I've seen often is there's a lot of people who can sit around in circles and at campfires and in basements and in rooms and late at night and out at restaurants and, and together at church and after church and, and all of the things talking about God. But they cannot remember the last time that on their own when nobody else was watching, they were on their knees receiving directly from God. And isn't it so funny that we are the greatest today talking about what we hope we will see. And God is asking, what do you know? I'm afraid that one of the greatest crises that we've faced as we've seen it emerge in this last two years is the fact that we've got confession, but there's no revelation. And there's no true revelation of who Jesus is. Is And we are just like the disciples sitting around in circles talking about everything that we think about God and what we want to see. I hope we see revival. I want to see a move of the Spirit. I want to see all of this kind of stuff. And yet it is far from that person to be on their knees contending on their own when nobody else sees it. They can't tweet it. They can't share it on Instagram. All it is is them on their own knees saying, God, unless you move in my life, I cannot do this thing on my own. I need, Taylor Murray needs a revelation from the living God every day because I cannot live by bread alone. I need to live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And unless I get a revelation, then I will be like the other disciples saying, what do you hope to see? Well, here's the conversation I overheard. What do you want to see for the future of the church? Well, here's the thing I read the other day, and I really liked it. What do you want to see for what's ahead? Do you want to see revival? Yeah, I've been, I've, I've been singing that song. But when's the last time that you, by your own self, were on your knees saying, God, I hope, I pray that you would move, and would it begin in my life? And this is the crisis that we are people who know how to talk about God and just like the disciples had yet to receive a revelation from God about who he truly is. So he has this moment, who do people say that I am? Some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But Simon Peter responds, he says, Jesus says, who, who do you say that I am? And Simon responds, he says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And at this moment, it's personal. And Jesus turns to him and says, the only way that someone like you could say something like that, the only way that you could confidently say this from a place of experience is if the father revealed it to you. But this is where it gets interesting. He says, the only way that someone could, the only way you could say that is if it was revealed to you by the Father. But then he says, and on this rock, I will build my church. 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, we know about the name Peter. You've probably heard this before. Peter's name, Petra, means rock, and it's this whole parallel, like this connection, like it's super cool, it's great, and, and it's wonderful, and it's like, oh, my gosh, you're Peter, rock, church, like he's an apostle, he's a pillar, like all this is great, and this is a, this is a good correlation to make. But I would actually venture to say this morning that this story here has little to do with Peter's name and has everything to do with the fact that God revealed something to him. And in this moment, there was an old life colliding with a new revelation. And this is what God has been doing for 2,000 years. I mean, this is what God has always been doing is he's been taking people with stories and brokenness and hurts and pain and shame and guilt and, and regret, and he's finding them in their journey, and he's saying, I'm revealing a new piece of who I am. I am the Messiah, the anointed one, the one you've been waiting for, the one who's the ultimate sacrifice for your sins. I am it. And he collides a new revelation with an old story. This is what God does for Peter. Is you know Peter, I mean he was volatile. He was messy, he was annoying. He was the thorn in Jesus' flesh, man. Like he frustrated. He was the worst. He was he was like this guy, it's like you read it and you're like, "Bro, I mean, I'm dumb sometimes, but you are stupid." Like you do some of the dumbest stuff. And it's funny because Peter, being so volatile and un, like not dependable, becomes what the New Testament would regard him as a pillar that the church was built on. That he would go and be crucified upside down by his own choosing, it's believed, so that he would not share in the same punishment as his Savior. This is Peter, the volatile one, saying, I'm going to give everything. Why? Because his old life encountered a new revelation and this is what you and I need is we need our old selves and our old attitudes and our past to encounter a new revelation of who Jesus is you've got guys like Peter you've got guys like Paul who Paul was a literally he was a, a facilitator of the murder of Christians and he'd become a life-giving church planter I mean think about the contrast how how does that happen it happens by a revelation from the Father. And in his case, it was on the road to Damascus. And he sees a light and his life changes forever. What is it? It's an old person. New revelation. Old story. New revelation. Long, broken journey. New revelation about who God is. You've got Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. And he has facilitated the... the, the the, the fracturing of families and individuals in the community. He is hated, and it makes sense that he'd be hated. He's greedy. And in today's day, he'd be in jail, and he'd be the shame of every... Everyone would hate him, and it would make sense, and we would condemn what he did. And he becomes someone who welcomes in the Savior of the universe to his house and changes from greed to generosity. How cool is that? It's what happens when your old journey encounters a new revelation. I was messed up. I was dead in sin. But now I woke up to see the light. What we were singing earlier. 
What is this? It's an old journey encountering a new revelation. And here's what he's saying. I want you to get this. I want you to write it down. We can put it up on the screen. It's, it's this. This is what Jesus is building. Jesus is building his church. Because remember, he said, on this rock, I will build my church. He's not talking about Peter. Yes, there's a correlation here. But he's not talking about Peter. He says, on this rock, this is the rock. Jesus is building his church, not on a person, but on a person with a revelation and with a confession. Jesus builds the church, not me and not you. And he builds it not on people, but on revelation and confession. See, and here's where we find ourselves today. And the reason this last couple of years might be difficult for some of us. It's been difficult for me. Why? Because we have one of two things. We have revelation without confession or we've got confession without revelation. We've got confession without revelation. We've got a bunch of people who know how to talk, but there's no depth. There's no real encounter. There's no presence. There's powerlessness. But they know the confession, they know how to say it. Or there's others who it's, they've got the revelation, but their attitude everywhere they go is the worst. And it says to the world, I've got something, but I don't want you to see it. And this is what we've been seeing, friends. You've got revelation. Let's talk about revelation without confession. Revelation without confession. You believe in God. You love him. You believe that he is the source of life for you. You believe that he is the only way to heaven. You believe that he's the way, the truth, the life. You love him. He loves you. You know about it. And then Friday you clock off and everywhere you go, your attitude would say everything but what you just realized. And you know, God, you, 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 you stepped out of heaven. You lived a holy life. And you called me to do the same. And I'm down to do that everywhere except when I'm with my friends. And when I'm with my friends, I want to let loose because I can be free to be myself. And everything that you just believed to be true, you confessed the opposite. And what we do is we confess opposite of what we say has been revealed to us. God's revealed his love for us. But the way that we confess with our lives and with our words would say everything opposite. And our attitudes, opposite. And our words, opposite. Some of you, you've been letting yourself so off the hook. Because when you're at work, you get to talk one way. And when you're at home, you talk another way. And when you're at church, you talk another way. Can I remind you in this moment, you may have revelation, but your confession is off. And God cannot build his church on something that only has one pillar. It needs both. You must have revelation and confession. We cannot have revelation without confession. And what we've got to do is we've got to ask ourselves, does my confession, what I say, the attitude, the meditation of my heart, every word that I say, every conversation I have, whether I believe God sees it or not. And some of us, what we do is we let ourselves off the hook in some of our conversations and our attitudes. And when we stand in line at Starbucks and when we're driving, can I tell you that you confess while you drive? You confess while you're in line, you confess when you're at the gas station. Every bit of your life is an outward confession of what you say you've been had a revelation of. And if you've had a revelation but your confession is otherwise, I might question in this moment, have you really experienced the presence of God? Because we are called not just 
to revelation, but to confess what has been revealed. And Peter, in this moment, confesses what's been revealed. He had a, had a revelation. I don't know if it was in that moment. It was a moment of brilliance. I don't know if it was days before. I don't know if he'd been like just journaling and being like, all right, I'm doing the math here. I think, I think he's it. I think he's, he's the guy. Like, like, it's all making sense now. Oh, my gosh. Jesus, you're the dude. This is cool. Jesus is like, hey, who do you say? God, I just realized it the other day. This is incredible. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And what does he do? He confesses in that moment what had been revealed. And my question for you is, is your confession, what you say, what you do, your attitudes, your actions, your countenance, your disposition, the way you talk to the least and the most of these, the best and the worst, your boss, the people who work for you, your spouse, your kids, your ex-wife, your ex-husband, your enemies. How do you talk to them? How do you talk about them? How do you talk about them on Facebook? How do you talk to them in private messages? How do you talk about them? All of your confession, does it match the revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died for the sins of humanity, that every person, good, bad, black, brown, ugly, ugly beautiful, tall, short, white, every person that Jesus died for them, and that's been revealed to you. You know he came to save them. Does your confession match what you know to be true, or does it contradict what he's revealed to you? I know it's a little quiet in here, but I think it's time that we show the world that what we confess is from a revealed truth, that Jesus Christ is God. He's not a God. He's not one way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Can I get an amen, amen. in this room? That's Jesus. And we've, been re we've, we've received now a revelation of this truth. Now it's time that we confess what we've seen revealed. My question is, does my confession, does my projection, does my attitude, does it match my revelation? But number two, does my revelation match my confession? And I think this is probably where many of us find ourselves this year. Because many of us, what it's been is we've had confession, and the reason that this year's been so hard is because everything we've known has been pulled out from under us. And what used to give us confidence was our confession. And I'm telling you, your confidence should give, your, your confession should give you confidence. But if you've got confession without revelation, friends, the moment that your normal gets pulled out from under you is the moment you now have empty confession. And empty confession can only last so long. You've got a lot of people leaving the church, you know why? I'm not trying to minimize it down to one thing, but many, it's because they had years and even decades of confession. But it's been years or decades since they've had a revelation. My question is, when's the last time you just spent by yourself? If you're not a believer yet, you're going to get an opportunity to become one today. But if, if you are, my question for you is, when's the last time you, by yourself, nobody else, you didn't even tell anybody, it's just between you and God, where you sat with God and said, God, you're my guy. 
You're my savior. I need you today afresh. I had you yesterday. I was good. But then the Blazers lost. And, and I was, this was the year. And I was bummed about that. And now I wake up, Blazers lost, and it's not sunny anymore. And, and so I need you today. And like yesterday, everything was going good, but then I, I got the news. And yesterday and last season and last year, 2019, man, youth was going great. 2021, it sucks. This is stupid. It's boring. I don't want to do it anymore. God, I need a new revelation. I cannot operate on what has been. Because if I do, it's empty confession without revelation. And while confession is great, it only works so long unless I have a revelation that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He is my source. He is my life. He is who gave me grace when I didn't deserve it. He is the one who is good to me when I do not deserve it. He's the one who chased after me when I ran. And today, just like I needed last year, today I need a fresh revelation. God, would you prove yourself to me again? God, would you show up to me again? God, just like the days when I first got saved and I said yes to you. God, would I feel the joy of my salvation one more time? God, today, just, just like that one time in McDonald's where you led me to pray for that person, I haven't felt that in a long time. God, would you speak to me again? God, just like that one time where I was in the Word by myself and tears started to come to my eyes because I realized how much you love me and what you gave up for me. God, God, would you do that again? I need it today. And what we're doing is we're asking and we're seeking and we're knocking and we're striving at times. And what we do is we say, God, unless you reveal yourself to me, I cannot do this on my own. And I think there's power in confession. Sometimes your confession needs to precede your revelation. Absolutely. Sometimes you don't feel it and you say, God, I confess even though I don't feel. I confess that you're the son of God, even though I don't always feel like you are. God, I confess that you are good, even though all around me, not everything is good. God, I confess that you are for me, even though everybody else is against me. And in those moments when you confess, what you're also doing is inviting God to reveal himself to you. As you confess it, he said, I'm going to show up for you. I'm going to meet you in your dirt. I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to run after you. And he will find you wherever you are. Some of us in this moment, in this morning, what we need is we need a new revelation of who God is. We need a new fresh wind of God's presence. We need a new touch from heaven. And the worship music helps. And the podcasts and the books, they help. Those are all great tools. I use them. New Maverick City is killer. I love it. I love all the music. I love all those things. And they, they help strengthen my walk with God. And they minister to me. But at the end of the day, friends, if I had nothing, I still have God. And in those moments when I don't feel, I look up to the heavens and they say, God, you are my help. You are my source. You are my life. I cannot do this on my own. I need you, Jesus need a new revelation I can't raise my kids by myself I'm too angry on my own 
I can't do this on my own. I'm too tired. And God, what, 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 wherever you find yourselves today, friends, what you've got to do is yes, you've got to match your confession to your revelation, but you've got to seek after the presence of God that he, in your most desperate moments, will find you and he will reveal himself to you. I want to encourage you today. God is not one to not answer the call. God is not one that when he hears you, he doesn't answer. God is not one that when you say, God, I need you, that he stays from afar and says, all right, well, make sure you perform. Make sure you get your confession right. I'm all about confession, friends. But God is not petty. He's just waiting for someone who's saying, I need you, Jesus. Do you need God this morning? Do you need a fresh wind of his presence? Would you stand all over this room? 